And welcome to an episode that it's a long time coming because it was taped at the end of 2019 and then uh, of course the world shut down in 2020 right when it was supposed to come out this episode not the world the world hasn't come out yet i had the privilege of sharing a lovely afternoon with pia in her beautiful las vegas home after enjoying two nights of her performances at pia's place her intimate charming and wonderful performance space inside piero's Pia's back to performing at Pia's place, so it's the perfect time to put this episode out. And I'm so happy to finally share it with you. And before we get into the chat, a reminder, subscribe to the show if you haven't already, and then also go to patreon.com slash craigandfriends where you can get a whole host of bonus content. The newly refreshed tiers offer a whole slew of options, and you can get in early on the movie clubs. And there will be a Lonely Lady movie club sometime later this year. Details to be announced. It's going to be an exciting one. Now, it's time to hear my chat with the one, the only, the legendary Pia Zadora. A note about the beginning of our chat. We are referring to James St. James in our discussion on the episode starring James St. James, in which we talked at length about the magic of Ms. Zadora. I was listening to your podcast today with oh, St. James. Just uh, bring it a little uh, closer, actually. Uh- I was listening to your podcast oh, yes. today. Was you played the wrong freaking song at the end. I did. You said Jermaine. Oh, but and then you he played corrected a little me. bit of heaven. No, because he corrected me. You I know? think I, I know what you're talking about because I remember yeah. when I edited it, I screwed yeah. up. I know a little bit of heaven is what he wanted, mm-hmm. and then I screwed it up. And no, then, he uh, said Jermaine though. Oh, he did. He did. Oh, so it was his fault. He's confused. He didn't know what he wanted. You no, know, he was just too excited. Oh, he was too excited. That's what is, cute. Isn't it sweet? One of the reasons he was so excited. Let me show you what uh, really set him off. Oh my God! One of my one of my favorite garments. This tour jacket. This is from the '81 tour. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. A couple of people have said perhaps I should get this corrected and have it signed to me. But there's something I like about this. Maybe we'll do an additional uh, signing. Can you get that erased? I'm not sure. I should look into that. I have actually another one in my closet. I'll never use it. Oh, amazing! I'll take that one instead. Really? <laughs> I'll oh, switch you. I don't know what size it is. I think they're like one size. I think yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're one size. And when it arrived from Etsy. What do you do for, when you shop? Like, how do you like to shop? I like to go. There's a website. I don't want to be do advertise. Sure. And also, you don't want people screwing it up for you. You they, know what I mean? I don't care. <laughs> Nobody can screw it up for me. That I'm already all screwed up. <laughs> they already did that, and I came through it, and I'm here to talk about it. That's right. And we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, there's a website that I'm addicted to. It's mm-hmm. called Revolve and it has oh, yeah, all okay. the designers and I just keep punching, punching and like have to take it back. They have places where you can just take it and say, here, do this. Cause I'm not going to like do, it's ridiculous. You have to print out the thing and do, and I have ADD. There's no way I can ever, ever do that. Same properly. here. Same here. Like, yeah. I'll order three yeah. of everything. And <laughs> what the hell? Well, I tried once and I punched again and the third time, oh yeah. So, you know. Yeah. So do you like to buy in bulk if it's something that you like? Because I've noticed something. No. Oh, you don't. Okay. You just want one. It's more of an accident. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Definite accident. <laughs> Definite accident. But but if there's something that I love, yeah. I'll get another one. So I have a backup in case, you know, whatever. I like to do that too. Especially yeah. I was noticing with clothes like at H&M, if you like something, get two of them because they just, they're so disposable. They just go away. Yeah. And I have to mention, and you'll see 
on the Instagram feed listeners that Pia's wearing a fabulous outfit that matches mine. I know. I, we'll, I know. we'll do a uh, selfie after. Absolutely. That'd be perfect. And I have a little intro that I like to do. And the intro sometimes comes in halfway through the show. So we're on pace. Dear listeners, it's quite a big day for the show and for me personally, because on this episode, I welcome an actress, singer, raconteur, survivor, inspiration, Razzie winner, Grammy nominee, Golden Globe winner, and icon, who not only fought off the naysayers and critics to pursue her dreams, but also at one time handled an entire SWAT team. You know her songs Rock It Out and When the Rain Begins to Fall, and films such as Voyage of the Rock Aliens, Troop Beverly Hills, Fake Out, Hairspray, Butterfly, and of course, my favorite, The Lonely Lady. Live on tape from her home in Las Vegas. Please join me in giving a warm, wet, whimsically volatile welcome to Miss Pia Zadora. I like the SWAT team. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you thank God you're not my publicist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you've had quite a history, and I know I that you have a really good sense of humor about things as oh, well. Oh, I do. I do. I don't care. Right. And, it, you know, it's, it's all... You, you got, if you don't have a sense of humor, you survive, you go past, you learn, mm-hmm. and you say, fuck it. Right. Now, at what point in your life do you think that you realize that that was the path to go? Because sometimes it, it doesn't occur to us um, early, and you had a lot of nonsense headed your way from critics early in your career. I guess that was my MO from day one. Okay, so you always sort of had that reaction, because also you started in the business at age, was it seven? Yeah, seven, on Broadway. But with Tallulah Bankhead, Bankhead, who taught you how to smoke and drink. You're, oh, God, you're psychic, <laughs> or you've been doing your homework, one or the other. A little bit of both, you know, okay. depending on the situation. Okay. <laughs> yep. So, when I was a kid, yeah. I did it to escape. To escape, I, I was very shy. Sure. And my mother took me to a dramatic school, American mm-hmm. Academy of Dramatic Arts. And I took children's courses on the weekends. Yeah. And Burgess Meredith discovered me. I was shy because my mother, I only spoke Polish till I was two. Oh, okay. And, sure. Yeah. And there was nobody else <laughs> I could speak to. I couldn't even speak yeah. to my father. It's and hard then, It's hard when you're a kid and then especially with that. Yeah. And I was an only child. I had uh-huh. a heart condition. What was the heart uh, so condition? So my mother... Actually, a bicuspid aorta, mm-hmm. which is a uh, one valve instead of two. Oh, okay. Thing. And I recently had my valve replaced. Wow. Now, did you notice like a significant difference ago. after yeah, the valve replacement? Yeah, I, I can, you know, hold my notes longer again. Oh, okay. As you get older, the valve kind of, you know, narrows sure, again. Sure, sure. But, uh, yeah, so another, you know, thing, that hurdle that I survived. Yeah, and, definitely. I'm one of many. Know? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So back to when so, you were a child, yeah. you were shy, and um, would I you went say, to like, a parochial so, school. Yeah, and uh, I went to. Well, I was going to the American Academy. Burgess Meredith was looking for a little girl to co-star on a Broadway play with Tallulah Bankhead, mm-hmm. and the mean little princess. <laughs> <laughs> now I heard in some interview you said that this was perfect for you because oh, you were yeah. angry all the time. Oh, exactly. So you were. You were exactly. angry and shy. I was pissed off which, and shy. Yeah, oh, it's a bad combination. Right. Yeah, it's like self mutilation. <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh Thank God I never went down that road. Right. So uh, I just you know I started, and so when. What I was saying, I was going to use this in reference to when I got the yeah. Golden Globe and the shit hit the fan and the film hadn't been released and Pia Zador and Sally Field and her big freaking mouth going, ooh, who's Pia Zador? You know what? I never thought, I never thought I was going to get that award. But one thing people didn't understand 
was that the award is not for acting. Although, mm-hmm. you know, when I look back on that, I was better in that than anything <laughs> except hairspray because there was a sense of strength and inner fuck you dumb. The character Katie yes, in Butterfly, right. Butterfly had, you know, I won the Golden Globe for that. Not an acting award, best newcomer. Sure. Like Marlon Brando, Marilyn Monroe, they, some essence on the screen. That's right. And I connected to that role. I named my daughter, Katie. Sure. Connected to that role because of my strength and perseverance and, like I said, fuck you, dumb yeah. kind of thing. It's like, no one's going to tell me what to do, which right. is, you know, basically the way we should live our lives. Absolutely. A lot of people don't. I know. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, one of many, because I think you're a shining example of that. And throughout your entire career, have come up against it again and again, rarely with allies. Uh, and when they are allies, they're people like John Waters, who really make a point to uh, express this very same sort of sentiment about you. Yeah, I love that guy. So when I um, when I came, when I was faced with all that crap and bullshit and whatever it was, P.S. Dirt, yeah. P.S. Dirt, I'm like, who are, the, who are these people? And you know, what the fuck? What do I do here? The film was kind of a racy film at the time. Well, it was based on incest. Yeah. Although it had an amazing cast, Stacey Keach and Orson Welles and, and Lois McMahon. Nettleton. Well, I, sorry. <laughs> um, I forgot who. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the film, I think, was ahead of its time in that sense. But it was, it was very racy. Yeah. It was a bathtub scene with my father where, you know, I come to find my father mm-hmm. and... I end up having an affair with them. Right. And I don't care. I just want what I want, and that's what I want. Right. But anyway, when all the shit hit the fan, the flack on that, I'm like, hey, wait a second. I wasn't created yesterday. I started a long time ago. I worked. I did all this crap. Yeah, you were in uh, Santa Claus Visits the Martins, right? (laughs) Please. I'm going to have to put a (laughs) muzzle on you in a second. Jesus Christ, you're throwing all this shit at me. But... (laughs) It's going to play very soon. It always plays around Christmas time. Yeah, I saw it at the New Beverly a little while ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, when the shit hit the fan, I was... I like your nails. Oh, thank you very much. It was... Okay, I'm not going to let this. I did my homework. I worked Mm -hmm. for all those years on Broadway and all that crap. So, I'm going to stick to it. Right. So, I did Lonely Lady. Not a good (laughs) move. But, you know, I tried. It was... Sure. Although... Became a cult classic. John I, yeah. loved it through tomatoes and everything. And <laughs> I, it's better than fake out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's going to give me the muzzle, the fake out. I know it. <laughs> no, I'm over that now. Just, just say anything you want. You're good in it. Yeah. No, you are. I, and I also, there's a women in prison motif that we later see in the Rocket Out video. So, I mean, I'm always happy with that. I think our, our listeners yeah, would be as well. And it was nominated for Grammy for that. Yeah, Rock It Out. Which, I lost uh, sadly, it to Tina Turner like anyone ever heard of her since. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to have to look her up on that one. Uh, so, but fine. Thank you for, for the young people. You can <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Remind them who she is. <laughs> right. And the flack that you got, for so those who f- don't know, uh, a lot of people alleged that your husband at the time had somehow influenced the uh, foreign press, possibly with money or some kind of other coercion, to get you... The award, but that's mm-hmm. not the case. Well, you know, he, everybody, 
all the studios in there, you know, Elizabeth McGovern, Kathleen Turner. She, I won over her, by the way, way back, but it's about the vehicle. Sure. And it's the newcomer. Right. Newcomer is not acting. Mm-hmm. Although, uh, you know, when I look back, as I said, I did, you know, pretty good job in yeah, that. Yeah, you did a great job in that. It was very believable. You believed me. Yeah, you're Isn't committed to the idea. Isn't that what acting's about? Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. It's not, oh, this movie's uh, not great, so therefore the performance is bad. There's a lot of great performances in not-so-great films. And Orson Welles, I loved him. What a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Was, was he a big pothead? Oh, he had a, he had a marijuana patch. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. And he, had, he, he was so heavy at that time. Sure. He could barely get up from the judge's platform. Yeah. And he says, oh, shit, I got to go home and water my marijuana patch. <laughs> Like, yeah, you better have someone do that for you. You might, you I know. think, yeah, it might take a little while. And at least he was a conscientious gardener, though. That's nice to know. Oh, my God. He did care about the details, right? Well, yeah. But he, he was an exceptional guy. Very, yeah. Very unique and very powerful. And you, again, worked with Ed McMahon, which is interesting. I, I can't think of many films that he was in in that era. I'm going to smack you in a second. <laughs> This is what I've been trying you to get to happen. You can't think of many films that he's been in that era. Oh, Jesus Christ. You're getting annoying. Well, oh. uh, so uh, around the time of... Wait, so... Okay, yes. Uh, as I was saying... Yes. Back off. You're interviewing me. I get to speak. No, you do. You certainly I know, I know, do. So the, the lonely... La- I did Lonely Lady mm-hmm. to try to do something for credibility. And sure. obviously it didn't work. And... And John asked me, he had done a, an art, a interview mm. for American Film with me, and we had hit it off for some reason. And he asked me to play Deborah Harry's daughter in Hairspray. And I was on tour with Sinatra, and I said, I can't, but I'll come do a cameo for a weekend. And he said, okay, great. And I said, well, what do you want me to bring? What's the look? What's the deal? And he goes, just come. I said, no, what am I going to do? <laughs> and he goes, you're going to be a beatnik. Uh-huh. I'm like, John, I'm a sheltered girl from Queens. I don't know from beatniks. Yeah. What the F? Yeah. So he took me downtown Baltimore and, and to this like little hippie place and got me a set of bongo drums and howl and oh, sure. black wig and Rick Ocasek. And it was actually a really cool little performance. It's a fab scene. I just fell into it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. fell into it, and I was like, I love when I look at Ricky, like, and I say, you're not with that hair. She says, she's going somewhere, says, not with that hair, you're not. <laughs> I love that. And, and she I- looks at me, and her eyes are popping out. <laughs> Those were the days. I also, Divine, sitting oh, Divine, in the middle yeah. of the street in Baltimore, fanning his ass. You know, my <laughs> girlfriend, my hairdresser who traveled with me, was so obsessed with him. She took a picture with him, mm-hmm. used it as her Christmas card. Merry Christmas, love the divines. Oh, that's sweet. That's amazing. That's a perfect Christmas card. John is. is big into the Christmas cards, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, every year. Anyway, I I I stuck to my mo of I'm going to keep doing this until yeah. you know somebody says great, great, great. Oh wow, she and that's P and Phil. Okay, with sure. With the London Philharmonic. Right. When I started singing, and that was my background, that's what I right. did, and that's how I grew up, and I come from a family of opera singers, mm-hmm. and I can belt that shit out like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. And so, people are like, oh my God, Piaz Dora can actually sing? And that, and then I did concerts with symphonies all over the country, Yeah. and that made me feel like, okay, 
you know, vindicated. So that's when you felt the vindication. Because I imagine in the early 80s, you've put Rocket Out out and you get the Grammy nomination, but still the critical noise is not... Well, in in Europe was different because When the Rain Begins to Fall was number one. Right, and that was the theme to Voyage of the Rock Aliens, which is a really fun film. Okay, (laughs) you need to leave now. (laughs) And that video was directed by Bob... What's his name? fuck up. Bob Giraldi. (laughs) Bob Giraldi, the fabulous Bob Giraldi. So annoying. He only directed the rest of the film. Anyway. Oh, yeah, the rest of the film. Oh, my God. (laughs) Your dancing's great, though. Not really. Okay. But well, I'll thanks shut up anyway. For a thanks anyway. <laughs> so now I forgot. Where was I? Oh, so we were talking about oh, the well, European reaction to. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had Jacques Morali, the village people guy, wrote me, come, uh, I'm in love again. I'm in love again. In love again. And it was the number one song in France and all over Europe. And Europe. so Europe was, I was like a pop star in Europe. But here, yeah, rock it out because we were going to release When the Rain Begins to Fall here. Clive Davis put the kibosh on it uh, no. because because um, Jermaine had a duet with Whitney. Oh, right. And that was supposed to be his breakout thing. So he said, nobody can play. It would have been number one here. It's a fantastic it's song. It's a great song. Yeah. It's amazing. We won the International Duo of the Year Award oh, okay. over Mick Jagger and Michael Jackson, uh-huh. over everybody, because mm-hmm. we were huge in Europe. And yeah. It's, it's a, a much song. better song than State of Shock frankly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but but what happened was when I started singing the standards. And how did that happen? Was that because Frank of... Frank Sinatra. So, okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Tell me about... Uh, well, you know, he came to see me. I was appearing with Jackie Mason uh-huh. at the uh, Fountain Blue and he came to see me and uh, next day I get a bouquet of white roses with a note saying, you knocked him dead. And his people called me from the guy with the blue eyes. Oh, from the guy with the blue eyes. And I'm like, blue eyes? I'm a Pollock, you know. I, I, <laughs> I don't look people in the other. No. But, um, and then his people called me and said, Mr. Sinatra would like you to tour with him. And I said, well, let me think about it. <laughs> but he didn't want me to do the pop. He says, you need to sing Man the Godaway. You need sure. to do it. I want you, because that was his music. Yeah, of course. And maybe yeah. he had a sense that, it was more impressive and that I could do it well and that it would appeal to the audience. I got standing O's mm-hmm. with now, those songs. Prior to that, what kind of material were you doing? A mixture of uh, Believe standards? Believe it and... or not, I'm walking on oh, it. Is there a Never thought it could be oh my so God. free. <laughs> no, I was doing, I was covering. Well, I know, but I hope that, that there's a, I hope that there's a recording of that, one of those I, shows. I hope not. <laughs> I'll report back to you. I'll let you know what I find. And I was doing, you know, Melissa kind of stuff. More contemporary stuff. Sure, okay. Yeah, stuff that was on the charts and then mixed with your own singles how long after touring with frank do you do the pia and phil record i did pia and phil when i was pregnant with katie so it was 85 and then i toured with frank in 92 i appeared with him in vegas before then Mm -hmm. but we went on the official tour because i replaced liza he asked me to replace liza in the official tour yeah we played here at the riviera and at caesars and uh, a couple other places and, but I went on the Don Brickles tour in 92, which was seven years after that. Okay. Now, um, concurrent with all of this, the, what are the changes going on in your personal life? So you were married to, is, uh, let me see if I get the name right. Mishulam. Mishulam. You were married to Mishulam Rickless um, from... Joey Bay, her cousin, Mishugana. I saw that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> she was right. <laughs> she, she he actually dated her. Really? <laughs> 
Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Was that when he was the Sheik of Fifth Avenue or? Oh my God. My mother <laughs> called him King of the Jews. <laughs> and your mother was quite taken with him, wasn't she? She was a big Polak. Uh-huh. She was taken with anyone. <laughs> now, I'm interested in um, a few things about your relations with your family, because in some of the interviews that I watched, you talked about your mother being very controlling and that Rickless maybe represented the kind of guy that you wished your father was, or maybe having the strength that you wished your father was. So I was just wondering what your thoughts now as a parent and um, as someone who's gone through therapy and explored those things in their life, what your thoughts on your relationship with your parents is. I see people now as more human. I don't judge. I mean, I am not the perfect mother. I think, you know, <laughs> there three is the charm in parenting, not necessarily in marriage. Just kidding. <laughs> He's a good guy, but because I'm married the third time it's and a, I have three kids. That's right. Michael, right? Yeah. Jeffries. But I think because I'm older and wiser and have been through more in my life and the therapy and sure. just I've evolved yeah. and I think I'm easier and more intuitive and just go with the flow more as opposed to trying to be controlling like my mother was controlling and you know it's normal and she was controlling because she felt helpless mm -hmm. and my father was weak he was a good guy but he was weak sure so she had to freaking run the show and she was a big Polak and she knew how to do that mm -hmm. and uh you know, now I know that running the show isn't the way to go. But for a while, is that what it felt like the, the I was move trying was? to, and I thought it was the right thing. Yeah, sure. And, uh, but, you know, you loosen up. And with Jordan, because he has some special needs. Mm -hmm. And that changed. I stopped working because of that. Around what year did you stop well, working for I had for him that? in 97. And so, then, but I, 95 yeah. was when I starred in Crazy for You on Broadway. Okay. And then I got married mm -hmm. and got married actually in New York when I was doing Crazy for You and got pregnant. And then I had a miscarriage. Oh. So I stopped working after Crazy for You, which was 95. Had him in 97, was going to go back to work, but realized I needed to focus on him, that he was my job at that, sure. at that time mm -hmm. to get him you know, restructured and organized and yeah. fixed because I had never had a kid that had, you know, special, special needs. Yeah. yeah. So this was something that I had, and it was great for me. And it was great for him. And we have such a strong bond. I mean, this little bastard, he comes to the show every week and talks to everybody. He's like a social director over there. <laughs> He's really come out of his shell. That's great. Because I focused on him. He's so funny. Mm -hmm. Now he's my pride and joy. The other two kids, my older son's a lawyer and he's so smart and so this, so that. My daughter is a singer. She's fabulous. She was on RuPaul's Drag Race and all that kind oh, of terrific. stuff. terrific, yeah. And, but, you know, he's special in more ways than special mm -hmm. needs. Sure. He's, he's just different. I thought I was going to have to drag him along and like he's leading the parade. Oh, that's wonderful. He's freaking leading the parade, little bastard. <laughs> you know, he, he needs his here and there. You got to reel him in like we all do that sure. are exceptional. Yeah. His dad was a, uh, a director and a writer. Mm -hmm. Very funny, very smart, very intuitive. He unfortunately was killed in a car accident like seven years ago, but he gets that. He's got that SNL kind of humor. Oh, okay. Or he can, he, he always says, I say something to him. He goes, yeah, like your movie career, huh? <laughs> you know, I mean, he just knows. He's very, yeah. <laughs> he does Donald Trump. 
I have to send you. Yes, please. Yeah. Like a couple of years ago, uh, I was Kellyanne Conway and he was Donald. He was like (laughs) brought down the house. He's just funny as hell. And I'm so proud of him. And I should shut up because it's annoying to be such a proud mother. But I did. I put my heart and soul into this little bastard and he gave it right back to me so you leaven it by saying this little bastard so yeah. you know it's like cute and then you get in the, the yeah uh, the <laughs> yeah and he's but he's huge he's like six foot two hundred feet looks like a everyone says how did you get such a big kid i'm like too many prenatal vitamins <laughs> Well, we were talking about vitamins before, yeah. and because uh, at the moment oh. you're waiting to take your vitamins, yeah. because uh, you're cutting out something today. Yeah, I just want to lose a pound. Oh, okay. All right, sure. Well, I remember reading in some interview, or maybe seeing it on Celebrity Wife Swap, which, by the way, was probably my favorite episode of that show, uh, when you swap with Cloris Leachman, uh, because I, as well, like to keep the sun out. I love I love it being sunny. I love living in Los Angeles. I just don't want it to enter into my apartment. I want to control the lighting. All of that, right? Mm. So, um, when did you start doing that, actually? Controlling the lighting? Yeah, like keeping your environment sort of the way. Always, always. And you know, with being on stage, yeah, it spotlights, like, and it just feels invasive. Mm-hmm. I probably didn't want to be born. I wanted to stay in the womb. And when I came out, I was like, oh, please, dim that <laughs> all this, light. All this? It's annoying. I forgot my sunglasses on the drive over, and I was oh. deeply regretting it. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's bad. Because <laughs> it's a very bright brightness out here. Yeah, hmm. it is. Do you love Las Vegas? I do. Did you always love Las Vegas? I hated it. Really? When and- I came here, when we had the Riviera, and I performed here... It just, but you don't know. I just thought it was the strip and the performance. Sure, yeah. You know, I mean, I enjoyed coming out and doing it, but I wouldn't have wanted to live here. This didn't even exist when I was here. The ridges oh, and okay. places, and sure. And now, you know, you make it your home. It's quiet. It's beautiful, and I can do what I love doing, which is singing at yeah. Piero's Pia's place. Pia's place, Piero's. It's a throwback, and I feel, you know, like Frank. Frank always would tell me that he loved being a saloon singer more than anything. Sure. And I never really understood why. And now I do. And it's that intimacy. It's that fun. It's like I have a party every weekend. I can sit with people all over and do everything. And it's just the best. It was a lot of fun. And I was happy to be able to come to two of the performances last night and the night before. And it really is intimate. When I first walked in, I thought, oh, this is the bar. I think over there is probably where the performance is. And then I saw your Warhol portrait. And I went, oh, no, no, that's the stage. Okay, so I'm actually sat in the perfect spot. So I had a nice seat at the corner every of the bar. Every weekend for the past six years. Yeah. So, you know, you you need to be intimate. You can't have a show. No one can put on a show and have people come in for that. I just wanted a place that I could go every week and be me and, you know. And have fun. Yeah. 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 And you have a a bunch of special guests there. There's Gary Anthony who does the Sinatra. Gary does Sinatra better than Frank did himself. (laughs) And Rich Little comes in and... uh, Keith Washington was there the other night. Keith was there the other night. Yeah, he dropped in and he sang a song with Sonny Charles. Which yeah, yeah, and uh, what's his name? Flav comes in and oh, cool. Matt Flav, Goss yeah. comes in yeah. and and Dion Warwick comes in, and it's just you know it's a celeb. Wayne comes in, 
Wayne Steve Newton, Lawrence, I'm assuming. Yeah. Wayne Newton, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for your younger audience. For the younger audience, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. The less, Vegas. The less hip. That's what we're going to say. The less hip. No, they need to, they need younger. to know. They have no idea what they're, yeah. and Steve what they're Lawrence, in for. Who uh, also was one of my favorite comic performers in the Blues Brothers. He's one of those guys that I wish did more of acting because he's so funny. He is funny. He loves to tell jokes. Oh, does he? Okay, oh. that will make sense because he's so funny yeah, in the movie. Yeah, he loves to tell jokes. Most of them aren't funny, but he's. <laughs> it's funny that he tells them. <laughs> okay. You like to tell some jokes, too. I do, but, yeah. you know, I just, I don't care if people laugh or not. <laughs> but see, I love that. <laughs> I love that. You're telling the joke because you want to tell the joke. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't like it. <laughs> tried and also some other music that you uh, made after the and phil uh, album and touring with frank you worked with jimmy jam and terry lewis right on an yeah. album yeah that was before oh that was before so sorry no, i got that little mixed it was, up it was close it was close oh it was okay maybe it was after because i was pregnant with christopher Okay, I thought so it was like after because of, of the hair. That's what I was. Th- I was, th- and Heartbeat of Love is on that. No, no, that's the Narada that's Michael. Narada Michael. That's right. Walden. And you did a video that was for great that. Great hair. He was yeah. in my video, and we did Arsenio together, and he played drums, and he's awesome. I love him. He's amazing, and also that video is kind of amazing. Directed by David Fincher. What was it like working with him? Good. He was smart. Mm-hmm. Very, very uh, crisp and very edgy. I like that. How did you like working on music videos in general? There's a few that I know. There might be some that I don't. The clapping song, Rock It Out. There's probably a lot that you don't, and I'm glad. <laughs> You'll never know. You'll never well, know. Well, now I'll have to be digging a little bit more, even no, more than I No, you saw have. most of them the other night. Yes, exactly. Because I played the videos in the break. That's right, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, they're, they're short bursts. And um, the When the Rain Begins to Fall was in Italy in a small little town. That was fun. That was very cool. Jermaine and I always had a blast. Mm-hmm. And we appeared in the pyramids in Egypt. <laughs> I'd just given birth to Katie. Yeah. We did this big uh, concert there. And everybody thought he was Michael. and Or everybody thought that we were married and she was our kid. And, it, you know, in Europe, they, they don't know exactly. Oh, sure, sure. And we're also, American artists. And it's not internet time, so... right. But we would go to um, dinners in these very fancy restaurants with all these radio people and the heads of the this and the that. And Jermaine would always say, I'm on a diet. I'm fasting. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not eating. I'm not eating. <laughs> then we'd go back to the hotel and go into the mini bar. Okay. And he would eat Snickers. <laughs> like 10 freaking Snickers. Like, you, Jesus. What's your favorite trash food? <sighs> It's going to date me if I really? say it. Okay, it's okay. I'll bleep it. Okay, put it on pause. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. This so, is very exciting. So you went to go get it. So you asked me, no, yeah, I went to get it for you because it's probably, this could be before your time. Um, when I was a kid, you asked me my favorite junk food, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So my favorite, I'm, I'm a sugar addict. I uh-huh. love sugar. Yeah. So when I was a kid, it was a candy called Chuckles. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know Chuckles. Five rectangular candies that big. Okay. So I'm in Bed Bath & Beyond because I'm helping my friend do this apartment. Yeah. And as you walk out, they have all the candy stuff there. And I look and I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Chuckles minis. Minis. Oh, that's crazy. I've never seen that. I'm like obsessed with them. I keep them. I don't eat that many, but the licorice are the best. Oh, are you a licorice fan? (sighs) Yeah. Have you ever been to Iceland? No. 
they're nuts about licorice. It's like really? the national candy. There's entire walls of this candy store that it's just all different licorice stuff. They have like pepper covered licorice. There's licorice chocolate. There's everything. Licorice chocolate. I will send you some stuff because I'm such a licorice fan. I went nuts when I was You know what? There. Licorice is good for you. Oh, see, that's why I like it's it. It's healthy. Right? That's why we like it, actually. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. we just know. <laughs> yeah. What about other foodstuffs? Um in terms of uh, cooking, you're not much of a fan of it, right? No, I, I, you know, once in a while I cook. I like to cook once in a while. Okay, but just um, once in a while, that's the key. You've got to make it special. When I want to. Yeah? And what do you like to cook when you want to cook? Uh, well, we, Michael grills mm-hmm. and I'll do the sides. What's the go-to meal? then? I guess now, because I'm trying to be keto uh-huh. and... I, That's why you got the chuckles. We love, fuck you. (laughs) We love garnet yams. Uh huh. And, uh, with sour cream, a lot of butter. Oh, sure. Because we're so keto. That's, that's, you gotta be super keto. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that you want the butter. It's, you know, you're committing to the idea. Exactly. (laughs) And chives. Yeah. And chives. And, um, I'm working on my Thanksgiving. Um, stuffing with jalapenos and sausage and, and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that has to be uh, gluten-free, obviously. Oh, okay, so gluten-free keto. <laughs> yes, of course. It has to be very gluten-free. Right. Yeah. And other sides. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, so Michael, Mick, because we're so keto. Oh, my God. I'm, <laughs> I should be the Marie Osmond of keto. Yeah, why not, right? He does. I yeah. got this keto book, and I have him. I do put together the ingredients, and we do... A keto hollandaise sauce. Oh, okay. Yeah. And we do the broccoli, and then we just slather on the sauce. It's awesome. God. Sounds good. It sounds like the keto thing. I'm missing out by not doing it. Yeah. Keto's great. What's your favorite meal to go and get out and around? To go and get out and around? Well, I like fo- wild fish mm-hmm. when I go out. I'm, I'm pretty strict. I'm pretty good. Mm-hmm. Were you always that way? Uh, recently, yeah. yeah recently, I, I was pretty. <laughs> I was pretty always that way. <laughs> sure. I was pretty always that way. Yeah. And then I cheat with the chuckles. <laughs> Sugar, sugar's my vice. A chuckle cheat. It, that's fine. I know. You I know like I mean? it. Yeah, it's chuckle good. Chuckle cheat. <laughs> chuckle cheat. But back to um, when you were living at the Riviera. Now, did you live I the- never. I never lived there, but oh, we oh, had an okay. apartment there. Sure. So when we would, because my ex owned it. Yeah. And so, it also was behind Glorious Ladies of Wrestling. A lot of people don't know that. Oh, Wow. I, I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, until some guy came to me recently, Bill Shatner's producer, and said, you know, they talk about you on that thing. Uh, on the show, okay. Yeah, yeah. on the documentary, and they uh-huh. say that I was the one that nixed the whole thing because I was jealous. Oh, I didn't hear that he, part. Oh, I didn't know, because I actually, I never got through the whole documentary, but I was like, oh my God, Rickless was behind that, and I just knew the name from your story. Well, Matt Simber directed Butterfly. Oh, right. Okay. He was married to Jane Mansfield, and he came to Rick with his concept of glow. He came to me and said, oh, I'm doing this wrestling show in Vegas with with Matt. I said, Mm -hmm. fine, just don't let me see you for six months. (laughs) (laughs) And and now the rumor is that I was jealous because he was messing with the girls. Oh, okay. And so I pulled the show. Oh, but that doesn't seem to make sense. I didn't even know what the hell was going on there. Now, if you don't mind me asking, uh, how did that 
relationship come to dissolve? Like, what was the precipitating factor? And I, I, if you don't want to get into specifics, that's fine. But uh, I'm one of the things I'm really curious about with you is how the three your three different marriages represent very clearly three different eras of your life, and then also. You know, we're always in a perpetual state of either looking for love, being in love, or sort of getting out of a situation. You were 23, right, when you got married? And, and what age when you married split? Married for 18 years. Okay. Had two kids. Um, unique relationship in the sense that we talked about my controlling mother, that he always claimed that I married him to get away from my mother. And he was right. Pretty, pretty right. Pretty yeah. right. And he gave me the independence and yet the coddling and support that my mother had given me. But he let me grow up. And uh, we had two kids together. We were married for 18 years. I My career was overwhelmingly taking me all over the place. So it wasn't really a close relationship. We weren't together a lot yeah. And he was doing his thing, I was doing my thing, and we were committed to the kids. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, I realized that I needed something more. Sure. I needed a real relationship. I think it was when I did Naked Gun 33 and a Third. I met um, Ira Newborn, the composer. He had done all of the Manhattan Transfer, the Belushi films, and all that stuff. Sure. And I don't know, we just clicked. And... Unfortunately, he was uh Orthodox Jew, so it was annoying that he we couldn't do that. Okay, so we, because you, we had a relationship. To, prior to that, you're in your previous, uh, with Rickless, uh, oh, did he convert? No, oh, no, I'm just saying, that con never mind. No. I'll, we'll, I'll skip. I, okay. I did not convert, no. Okay. And he loved the fact that I was a shiksa, <laughs> and he supported the Catholic Church, and, and Israel kids are the um, are the religion of the parents. He loved that. I have a Jewish family. I have a Catholic family. Let's go. We went to church and christened. The kids were christened and yeah. all that. But, but with Ira. I met Ira and I realized that I needed someone closer to my age. What was the age difference? 28. Yeah. That's a significant uh, it's age big, difference, yeah. especially when you're going through different phases of your life. Yeah. You know, when you're 23 and he's 48, it's different. Then when you're 35 and he's 60, it's a little different too. And sure. When you're 40 and he's 97, oh, my math was never good. But you know what I mean, right? <laughs> you're not a mathematician. I mean, hey, what are people going to come for you on the numbers here? Yeah, you're not doing anyone's taxes. Yeah. Whew, thank God. Jeez. Oh, maybe something for the new year. But no, so yeah, things change. We just... I needed someone my own age. He was yeah. my father. He was my mentor. He was everything. And it was time for me to move on. I wanted to start over. Right. So I had Jordan. Right. Right. Got remarried and had a baby at 97. <laughs> right. Which is impressive <laughs> you know? too. Yeah. This is before they have the tools that they have now for 97 yeah, year olds. Yeah. yeah. So that was really what happened. Mm -hmm. And we, we remained very close because of the kids. And we always had a very strong relationship, more than man and woman, just friends and being there for each other. Sure. In a lot of ways. And he w definitely was there for you. He financed 
your early films, right? Butterfly. Yeah, and uh, and not Lonely Air. Lonely Air was Universal. And but I was going to say Fake Out again. So yeah, Fake Out. (laughs) Don't say one more time, and you're going to lose about three teeth. Okay. Well, no, people can't find it anyway because it's under the name Nevada Heat on Amazon Prime if they want to watch it. But okay, uh, you're dead. (laughs) Security. Listen, well, it was a good run. He actually saw me first when I was doing a show. That's right. He was teaching in Ohio, Ohio, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Dayton, Ohio. Mm -hmm. Oh, Columbus. Warren. No, we we did Warren Dayton in Columbus. Columbus, because he went to the university. So he saw me, Columbus, and we were at the Mall Motor Inn. He came to visit with his airplane. And (laughs) because I met him when I was auditioning for To Kill a Mockingbird in Screen Gems building with my manager. Sure. My manager, Arthur Miller, was a friend of his. We stopped down to say hello. And he said, oh, where are you appearing next? And he was like, oh, I'm coming to Ohio and I'm going to come to the show. So he came to the show and he was a little impressed. Sure. Because... You're impressive. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you said it because I was about to. And... (laughs) <laughs> sorry to step on your line. <laughs> uh, this time, don't be sorry. Okay. So uh, that's how our relationship started. And my mother was there with me. So he took my mother back in his plane. Oh, I said, right. I'm sorry, I can't see you after the show. I have a party. But, you know, could you take my mother home? So he gave her the book and gave her this and sh- the whole spiel. Oh, sure, yeah. Her. It's like, oh, he's the king of the Jews. He's the king of the Jews. <laughs> oh, damn it, you're not even... Jewish. What do you care who's the king of the Jews? And uh, so, yeah. And and he, uh, so when we got married, he, he knew that I had had an extensive, I had been working up till yeah, that point. Sure. And I was doing applause and all that crap. I mean, I loved applause. It was, it was yeah, good. I'm not familiar National, with all that crap. That was that the was, show uh, that I did. <laughs> so um, he said to me, yeah, I, I said, you know, I'm going to try being a wife and not working. Yeah. I tried that, obviously. <laughs> Didn't work. Didn't really suit your temperament. I mean, oh. you were sort of, you know, well, since you were seven, it's go, 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 right? Yeah, and the fact that he was older. Yeah. And all of his friends... The wives were not very, they didn't take to me very well. Sure, And sure. Uh, it was hard. It was, I didn't fit. Sure, yeah. I didn't fit. You must have felt that a lot of times up until that point and including that point because as a child actor, you know, you're maybe separate from the other kids and it seemed like you had a shyness thing when you were younger. So, it, it, I'm, I'm just imagining that maybe you felt a little bit of an outsider well, I always many felt, times. I always felt better when I was with adults. Okay. With kids, I felt like an out, with People my own age. Yeah. I couldn't relate to that. Sure. And I never had a normal childhood to really have the opportunity to relate to that. Yeah. Never did the prom, never did this, never did the dances. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always on the road with tutors and on stage and back yeah. and forth and in and out. Sure. Never a continuity of of that. And even being able to make friends and um, sustain friendships no, in the same I had place. One, my best girlfriend, who's still my best girlfriend, her mother was the first detective in New York, and her father was a writer for the um, Daily News, mm-hmm. and they were both raging alcoholics, and there was abuse, and she would escape and come with me, so my mother would take her, and sure. she became like a sister, so yeah. she was my best friend. She'd hang out with me, and we I love her to death to this day. So, you know, it was different. Was it easier later on to make regular friends or more consistent friendships? Or did you find that sometimes you still have an issue with that? Now I'm okay. I I don't want a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. You know, they say on your hand, your friends in your life. And I think that's really true. 
Yeah, the close friends. I remember my mom telling me this. Like mm-hmm. uh, at the end of your life, if you can look at your hand and, and have a friend, a close friend for each finger, then you're doing better than most, and you're very lucky. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I'm. I'm okay. I so and and the years of therapy. I was in mm-hmm. psychoanalysis for like 15 years every day just to every get through day? my wow. second marriage. Okay, sure. That's what psychoanalysis is every day. And okay. you just lie there. I never took any drugs, any antidepressants, nothing. I would just lie there, look up at the sky, yeah. and talk about my dreams and figure things out and walk out of there and feel like a huge weight was lifted. It changed me. I had the world at my fingertips, you know, with the houses and the kids and the whatever. Sure, the, is it true the plane that said P is coming? Yeah. Okay. Oh, there, there were a couple of them. I, I love, had a plane I love that. With a, with a jacuzzi and we had a nursery with the nets over it. <laughs> what just, color? They would meet the- us at the airport <laughs> and cut, come in the plane and cut my hair and all that crap. And Jose Bear, for yeah, the, you know, for the folks Jose, who don't. Yeah. yeah. Jose Bear. Jose shake your Bear, head, okay. darling. Yeah. So, so you're in your thirties. I would and, sit yeah. in the middle of all this, you know, fabulousnessnessnessnessnessness. <laughs> That's how whatever, fabulous it was. Whatever frankly. the hell it was, <laughs> and I would just—I I, I guess I was depressed. I would start to cry. Yeah, sit in the bathtub and start to cry for no reason, and then I would go. This see my Pac-Man machine. I got a Pac-Man. Oh my God, yes. Recently. Oh, that's so cool. We yeah. had a Pac-Man then. We had one on the plane and I would just go to the Pac-Man and take a glass of Chardonnay and sit there and play Pac-Man. Just, it was an escape, you know? Yeah, sure. I realized I needed help. And I reached out and I did, again, on my own. On your own, yeah. Nobody said to me, you know, do this, do that. I did it. Do you remember what made you think, I think I'm going to, Give this a break for a while. Give analysis a break? Yeah. I didn't. Oh, you didn't? Oh, you still do it? No, I came here 10 years ago, and my analyst, psychoanalyst, was in LA. Continued to do Skype until he passed. And then I was okay. I was okay on my own. And even... You know, recently I thought, you know, I need someone to bounce off of. So now I have someone I see once a week to bounce my stuff off of. Sure. I think we all need that. Oh, yeah. Quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> to shift uh, topics a little bit, I um, was alarmed to see that there, because of a golf cart accident, that you lost your sense of smell and taste. Is that still the case? Yeah. Wow. How long ago was that? 13, 2013. Wait, what year? <laughs> I told you, I wasn't good at math. It was in 13. I can taste very strong things, very sure. sour, very bitter. I use a lot of cayenne pepper. It's the olfactory senses, oh, nerves, sure. that when, when fighters get punched, boxers, they lose that too. There's got to be some way to... You know, there I, must be. There's got. That's yeah. like one of those things. That's like, for instance, I have tinnitus, so perpetual low grade ringing in the ears. And I, I my man- mother had that. It's it's terrible. My dad does too, and I manage it the best I can. But um, you think, is there nothing that they can do? Can they just go get in there and fix it? But yeah, uh, I know. Sadly, there's not. It's, yeah. Hopefully, maybe in the next ten years, they'll figure that out. We'll both be able to <laughs> have that stuff uh, keyed up and everything. Yeah, but you know, a lot of it I rely because I was a huge scent person, aromatherapy and uh-huh. spraying jungle gardenia. When I was doing um, 
applause on the road when I was like 17. We would travel all these different cities. I would spray jungle gardenia all over me. <laughs> and I'd come out for my number. Yeah. And the band, there was like the orchestra, yeah. would be like, <laughs> it would kid me. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I mean, scent would follow me all over. So I have memory. Like sure. Like scent memory. Scent memory, yeah. Even though I don't smell it, somehow on some level, I think I can smell it because I remember it. And it's it triggers weird. that. That it's is weird. interesting, yeah. yeah. So I spray cologne. Oh, right, because the actual um, process of spraying it. I'm little, and well, I'm also... An optimist and figure one day I'll be able to smell. <laughs> one day you're going to be like, this stuff smells terrible. I can smell. I can yeah. smell. <laughs> oh, wait. There was one moment like that. Oh, really? So I can smell like really like eucalyptus. Like super so pungent. I, yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was in this big like fight with my husband, uh-huh. who's this big corn husker cop guy. And he's like yelling at me and yelling at me. We're screaming at each other. And he lifted his arms up. He was sweating. I'm like, <laughs> you stink. <laughs> and he looked at me like, what the fuck? We forgot what we were fighting about, but I yeah. smelled under his arms. And it was like a shock because, yeah. yeah I loved yeah. it. I could smell it. Yeah. <laughs> Is that dumb or what? No, it's great. Well, listen, if you're deprived of the sense of smell and you can smell something, it could be Anything. the worst thing in the world. You'd be yeah. thrilled. Yeah. yeah. The psychoanalysis was going on when you had your second marriage. And where did you two meet? We met at a party. Gavin Grazer is a film producer. And he was a friend of mine. And uh, we're having a party. He asked me to do this little short film for him with the kids. And I was messing around. We did a short film. And then he had a screening party for the film. And at his house. And uh, my second husband Mm -hmm. was there. Okay. Soon to be my second husband. Uh Came to the screening. Now, what was dating like for you in between the uh, the Ira experience and then your second husband or also what was it like before you met Rickless let's start with Rickless the be- before just as a kid you know 16 you fall in love you have a boyfriend I'm still friends with him now uh-huh. uh, then I had a um, in Detroit um, Jonathan who's now a lawyer in in Washington we dated a little bit we met when I was on tour Stuff like that. And then after after Rickless, then it was like, okay, I'm I'm free. I'm gonna my life is great. And and I dated just really three three guys until mm-hmm. I found one. They were all directors, writers. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Just the kind of people that you know you go for yeah. in a way. Yeah. yeah. I dated Dale Lawner, who did My Cousin Vinny. And okay, Really yeah. sweet guy and fun. And then Greg Champion, Gower, mm-hmm. and Marge's son. Really sweet. But then I met Jonathan, and it's like, I, you know, you know who you want to be with, whether it's for the right reason, <laughs> whether you're oh, stupid yeah. or fucking dumb, <laughs> whether someone should just like, you know, smack some sense in so you. So you wish that there, were, yeah, there was a SWAT team to come in and be like, listen, you're coming with us because this is not, yeah. Is that what you felt might have happened with the second situation? No, I felt it after it's after it started, I realized that it was not right. And that's- I, I, we had already had Jordan. You separate, and um, how long is it until you meet Michael? I know you met through sort of uh, strange circumstances. 
Very romantic. <laughs> well, actually, I had a stalker, and yeah, he was very detective in, in sexual assault and domestic violence, and I, I had to follow a report with the police. Yeah. He came across his desk, and we talked for about two years on the phone. We started, he called me about some details of what happened, you know, how he had to ask me a few more questions. Sure. And then we just kept talking for a couple of years, like every three months. And then we met and got engaged mm -hmm. like a few months later. Mm. And then, it just was right. I could rely on him. He, I thought he was a little stiff, a little boring at first, but then he would entertain the kids behind my back and they're, no, mom, he's really fun. I said, well, then just tell him to show me <laughs> <laughs> because he seemed, I guess he was nervous. We mentioned Naked Gun before, and I want to play you a question from our pal Jake Shears. Oh. Hi, Pia. It's Jake Shears here. I am so excited that you're on Craig's show. I'm a massive fan, and I would love to hear about your experience shooting Naked Gun 33 and a third and uh, what your time with Leslie Nielsen was like. What was it like shooting that movie? It's a fantastic moment in movie history. So, yeah, how was Naked Gun? It's interesting because it was kind of a turning point in my life mm -hmm. and, and my career also. Kind of a throwback to musical comedy, which I used to do. And mm -hmm. I love to do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I had so much fun. And I remember walking into the trailer with David Zucker mm -hmm. and Ira mm -hmm. meeting because they wanted, it was just supposed to be a quickie, not the whole number. <laughs> the whole razzle dazzle that it ended yeah, up being. Yeah. It became bigger than it was intended. Oh, okay. To be. Sure. Yeah. Because we, you know, bonded and had fun and it just happened. You know how these yeah. things just happen. But, uh, my manager at that point wanted to have control and he wanted, he told him, yeah, Pia can do this if Vinny does the music and I do the this. And they thought I was a big prima donna. Oh, and when I found sure. out about that, that was my turning point with him. I, fired my manager i did you know, I mean, i'm laughing because done of that before. the yeah and, and you know you can't do that people do shit like that they can sabotage you i don't like oh, yeah. sabotage so no. he went bye-bye and i walked in and connected with ira yeah the musical director the composer composer yeah and the zookers and i mean just doing it was just the most fun i've ever had really because leslie was so funny <laughs> he walked around with a fart bag <laughs> Yes, I mean, tell okay. us about the, the not, fart machine thing. Not funny at a certain point, you know, <laughs> because he was constantly fucking farting. And, you know, but he, he had, he was so funny in that. He was relentless with it, right? It just, it would not no, stop. No, no. But in the, in the, uh, in the scene, he was very, he, he wanted to have fun. Yeah. He loved to have fun, that, which is why that scene is hysterical. The whole Academy Awards sequence. Oh, yeah. Is it's, hysterical. It's, it's hysterical. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah. The looks he pulls. Also, the, you're so game in the scene for the hilarity that it's great. The wig falling and all of that. Oh, Your that's, big pratfall. Yeah. 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 And you also had a nice cameo in Troop Beverly Hills. No, I walked on with a dress and waved. <laughs> That's a cameo. But Robin Leach. Oh, okay, right. He's my friend. He uh -huh. died. I know. I'm sorry to he's, hear that. He, and he Rick Ocasek's passed away as well. I know. Very sad. I know. My, uh, my hippie, hippie husband. Yeah. It's, I got calls from, you know, certain newspapers. Maybe. Sure. Your husband, your hippie husband. <laughs> he was, he was a character. 
I can imagine. Yeah. Now, you know, your legendary line about let's get naked and smoke. My favorite might be when I'm high, I am Odetta. I think that's probably my favorite line. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> I know some people got upset about you reading uh, lines from Hal that they thought that John Waters had like gone too far, which to me is the greatest thing about that. Because I mean, I'm sorry, Allen Ginsberg stuff, a sacred text. I don't uh, really buy that. Get over it. Yeah, exactly. You got to tell them, hey, it's life. Yeah. <laughs> do there- what you do. I do what I do. And maybe never the twins will meet, but, uh, you know, don't be judgmental. Right. It's like I heard St. James talk about Pickfair. Oh, yeah. That's right. Come he had lots of opinions. On. Yeah. Yeah. He was very hot about that. I didn't care about that house. But we had termites and ghosts. What am I going to do? Sit there? Uh-uh. <laughs> no, you get the exterminator and you get the. Uh, and you erase yeah. the freaking thing. <laughs> now, did you have a new name for the house? Because if it's called Well, Pickfair, John renamed it. Oh, okay. Rick was my ex's name and Pia. So he said, when I told him, I said, Pick Fair. He goes, no, no, you got to rename it Prick Fair. <laughs> That's a good one. And then you did, I think, an Oprah episode from Prick Fair, right? Oh, Prick Fair. Oh, Prick Fair. No, that was the old house, actually. Oh, oh, that was the original Pick Fair before Prick Fair. Right. <laughs> so then you lived in LA for how long? After the original, after, after you were in Vegas. Okay. Um, never, I never lived in Vegas. Uh, oh, I keep getting until confused like about that. ten years ago, nine years. Right, ago. Right, right. And Michael, I remember at at Pia's place was telling me that you weren't totally sold on the idea of no, living in Vegas. I didn't like the idea because I didn't understand Vegas. Sure, sure. He wanted to come back. He wanted to get back on Metro, mm-hmm. and so I came back and gave it a shot, and fell in love. I love it. It's my home now. And actually. Our friend Jake has another question about Vegas. Pia, it's Jake Shears here again. I would love to hear about what your favorite Las Vegas hangouts are like. Are there any weird and wonderful little spots that you like to lurk in? Um, Yeah, just asking for a friend. My house. (laughs) No, there were a few... uh... It, you know, we're we're homebodies. We I love Piero's, hang out there, go there a lot for dinner. Mm, fabulous food. There are a couple of other restaurants of best food. Um and just really no, my backyard. Sit out there with my fur coat, fuck PETA. <laughs> and <laughs> my my bathrobe. I had it made into a bathrobe. I put organic cotton inside of my Oh no, coat. really? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm not gonna wear it out, I'll get shot. <laughs> so you gotta adapt. Listen, that's very exactly. modern. That's very modern. Sit out by the fire pit and you know, grill and just be cozy sure. with my friends and stuff. So there's not a place that I can say except Piero's and my house. Yeah. And Pia's place, which is apparently wherever Pia's place. Pia goes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How long did it take for you to design this house? Um, it had great this one had great bones. Uh-huh. So we moved in a year ago. It probably took me seven or eight months to just, I didn't really redesign it. I just repainted it, curtains, this, that, you know, added all the stuff that needed to be added. And I love the fact that it's very cool and zen, very modern. It's really, this house is the most me of any house I've ever lived in. Okay. Yeah. Um, Because we touched on before how much you've just had uh, the determination to just blast through doubt of others and obstacles before 
What's something that you could uh, say? What's a little bit of advice you could uh, impart to some people who are maybe having trouble doing that? You just have to, I, you know, my manager was a baseball player before Uh he became Frank Sinatra, Tommy Joyce. He had one expression that I want to coin and it was like, he would say, keep your eye on the ball. Yeah. Just focus, you know, be you, look at the big picture where you're going and put blinders on. Don't let that shit affect you. Right. Because you don't want to be all over the place. I mean, if there's somebody you really love and care about, listen. But not everybody. It's riffraff. Everybody has an opinion. Sure. You know, just you got to follow your heart. Mm-hmm. Following your heart is really essential. Yeah. Even when it's confusing or you're not quite sure what's going to be on mm-hmm. the other side, right? And that's when you usually make the best decisions. Mm-hmm. Because you become introspective and because you, you come, you get in touch with your own intuition. Sure. How important do you think intuition is? Oh, it's, it's everything. Yeah. And even if you make the wrong decision, you'll know it and it's okay. And then you have to just go on from there. Yeah. You correct course. Very very few times when you connect with your own intuition, do you go off the path? That's right. I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. <laughs> everything from moving to LA to doing the show, everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anytime that I've I thought I should do this and then you get those, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if mm-hmm. that's, those are always the doom voices. Never listen to those, no. I think. Yeah. yeah. Even if you, like you said, screw up in quotes, it's not really screwing up. It just means you sort of went off map a little bit. Now it's time to correct the course. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Mm-hmm. What's coming up for you musically? Is there a Christmas album possibly coming? My new CD just came out. Oh, wonderful. What's it called? And all, is there a copy here all for All or me? Nothing at All. <laughs> I think I may have one in my car. Oh, cool. All or Nothing at All. So is it more standards? I and- have one in my CD. It's a very, um, it's a very cool, it's really uh, something that I like to listen to because it's low-key, background-ish. Mm-hmm. You can have your piatinis and have your cocktail party. Let's explain what a piatini is. I know because I got the recipe from you in a text in a very funny way. But let's get into a piatini. A piatini is? It's a um, dry martini. Two onions, olive in the middle. No splash of water because splash of water is how I got arrested. Is it? <laughs> splash of water is what did Oh, you didn't hear the hose thing? Oh, Oh, God. the hose idea. That's all. Yeah. Oh, he was my lonely lady throwback. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, God damn it. This is a weapon. <laughs> I'm going to use this shit. Uh, hoses aren't for gardening. Oh, oh no, 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 no. They're for Ray Liotta and then for someone who's having oh, a bad Ray. night. I love that guy. He's amazing and he's great he was, with you. He was on, like, you know, unknown. It was his first screen appearance, right? Yeah. yeah. From there to something wild yeah. and then Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you enjoy working with Ray? Yeah. Did you enjoy working on Lonely Lady? I'd like to no. talk about that film for no. a while. No. Please tell me why. I remember seeing somewhere, maybe in the DVD bonus, uh, Blu-ray extras, you were not happy with the director. Oh, Peter Sazdy. <laughs> oh, my God. He made Matt Simber look like, you know. <laughs> Orson Welles. Oh, God. <laughs> it, it, I, it just was a mess. You know, there was one guy that was supposed to have done it, and then he dropped out. He must have looked at the script. <laughs> and I think, he, I think he passed away. Oh, <laughs> sure. From shock, yeah. And, and uh, I knew the first day of the dailies that 
it was going to be a huge embarrassment. Sure. But it was a universal film, Harold Robbins. I figured it'd be so bad, it'd be good. Yeah, right. I knew it wasn't going to be Kramer versus Kramer. It wasn't released, it escaped. <laughs> it, you know, you just have to, okay, yeah. on, onward and upward. Sure. But I did live in this beautiful, a place called Aljada, which is like the Beverly Hills of of Rome. Oh, right. Okay, right. That's 30 yeah. minutes outside of Rome. Yeah. And you drive through these huge gates, and it was like they would bring the horse to the door of my Castilla. <laughs> you want to ride, madam? Yeah, sure. They bring the horse right up to the front steps, oh, wow, yeah. ride around. And it was just a beautiful experience in being there, but the making the film. What about a day-to-day thing? Did you enjoy the people that you worked with? And I'm trying to remember his name, who plays your, uh, who plays Jerry Lee's really good friend. Lloyd. Um, oh, who oh. helps her out and is like, kid, oh my you gotta, God, you know, what I'm, the hell was his name? Let me, I can look it up because I feel it's wrong to not uh, oh, reference shit. him by name. He's so good in it. He's amazing. And again, so what I said before, I confused the two films, but you know, the story Lonely Lady is actually a very sort of forward thinking. It could thinking. have been good. It could have been great. It if could it, have been great. If it had the right director and the right screenplay. The theme is kind of funny too, because you're like, "This is the theme. I love it." But it's you're just a little like, "What's what's going on?" Yeah. <laughs> Lonely Lady cast, okay. And Ray is appropriately terrifying in it. Yeah. BB Bash. That's, I'm just running down the names. Oh my god! What? Cr- oh, I, I forgot. Uh, and I forgot Lloyd Bachner's in it. Yeah, well, with, who's wonderful. Yeah. Um, what were you going to say about Lloyd? Um, but what's the guy's name? I didn't know Kenneth Nelson was in that. Yeah. Oh, or I forgot, rather. Wait, hang on a sec. Oh, Anthony Holland. Right. Anthony, Anthony Holland. was great. He's wonderful. Yeah. He was good in that. Really good in that. And, um, yeah, so any other thoughts about Lonely Lady? I know you've said plenty in interviews and everything, but I, I'm quite a fan of the film, actually. So. Well, if it had gone in the direction it should have gone, it would have been a different film, as we talked about Yeah, earlier. exactly, yeah. So it was kind of painstaking to see it get go off course. Yeah, get warped Nothing and everything. I could do about it. Sure, sure, of course. So yeah. that was it. Was just like seeing you know a, something go off a cliff or something. <laughs> right, slowly every day. Yeah, <laughs> watching it with in a, slow motion. You're right. Yeah, in with slow motion with a chain attached to your ankle that's very far off, but it's mm. going to catch up soon. Yeah. Now, are there any other films that? you wanted to do over the years that you know either didn't happen for various uh you know dull reasons or that you didn't go for no no that was pretty much it after lonely lady you decided to stick to singing Mm -hmm. yeah Hmm. well i was behind (laughs) i i see something in your future i think that'd be you'd be wonderful on a show like one of the shows that's on like netflix or Prime, you know what I mean? Like the basically, because mm-hmm. now TV shows are like the movies. So I just see, I just, I don't know, something like you would have been great on The Sopranos or something like that. So hopefully, something like that happens in the future. We'll see. We are now. Anything else that you'd like to close with? Anything you'd like to ask me? <laughs> it's amazing that we match. It is amazing that we match. Weird. I think that it's a very good omen. A very it is good a good sign. omen. It is a good omen. It is. No, it's just fun. And uh, we met at the hairspray thing. And that's right. That's right. So that's a good connection. It's a me. lovely connection. Yeah. I yeah. nearly knocked two people over to get, make my way over to you. I know. 
<laughs> and you were lovely and you just uh you were like yeah you gave me your number and then uh, we were trying to make it work for a while and i thought why don't i just come to vegas yeah yeah and which was great because I'd, i've never been here before and this has been a lovely trip it was wonderful seeing your show twice in a row thank you very much for having me at your home Thanks for doing the show. As we mentioned, Pia plays Pia's Place, but not as often as pre-pandemic. But now post-pandemic, Pia's Place, serving those Piatinis post-haste. The dates aren't as frequent, so do make sure to check your calendars and her schedule. And make sure to snap up her latest fabulous collection of songs, All or Nothing at All, available on Amazon and anywhere else that carries quality products. And once again, if you haven't already, rate and review this show. Plus subscribe, because why deprive yourself of the next episode? And of course course head on over to patreon.com slash craig and friends check out the newly priced reward tiers see which one works for you and get in early on movie clubs plus you get all kinds of solo bonus episodes bonus episodes with ada and i talking about being queer parents and being uh, bi-continental and buy everything i suppose and much much more patreon.com slash craig and friends